CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're live at the NASDAQ market site on the first show of the new year. The guys here getting ready behind me, and while they're doing that, here's what's coming up. As we look at what's going on in China, the, it's clear that the economy began to slow. It was the words that spoke to Apple investors this week. But if you lost money, relax, because Mike Koa is a way for you to make it back for free. He will explain. Plus, Intel shares are soaring, and Dan Nathan says the chip stock could go even higher. He'll tell you how to trade it. And the Dow dogs are howling, and the Chartmaster says there's one name that could lead the pack this year. He'll break it down. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And we start off with the dogs of the Dow in the doghouse after snapping a nine-year winning streak in 2018. The DOD ETF that tracks the highest yielding stocks in the Dow sinking over the past year, but it wasn't all that bad. Top dogs like Verizon and Pfizer squeezing out gains over the last 12 months, while Exxon, IBM, and Chevron sank. And the chartmaster says one of these names could lead the pack in the new year. He's over at the plaza breaking it all down. Hi, Carter. Hi. So, I mean, look, dogs of the Dow has its... Uh sort of critics, uh, but the premise is this, that if something has a very high yield, presumptively the stock has been a very poor performer, so it's a value approach to investing. But what I thought I'd show you is actually the results of doing the dogs of the Dow, which are the 10 stocks with the highest yield, versus the Dow going back to about 2000, and obviously uh, there has been a meaningful outperformance. And so uh, if you were to look at the 10 stocks, uh, the one that I think is maybe the most interesting here is Verizon. Again, its yield is about 4.3%. So a few comparative charts, and then we'll look at Verizon Absolute. This is going back to 2014, and you've got Verizon lagging. But the key, of course, is, is that as the market sold off, which is what you would expect, a very defensive asset like this uh, was doing well. Let's pull it back a little further. So here we have... Next time frame, this goes back to the lows of 09. And again, um, you have the potential that the market has prospectively more absolute downside risk and or relative with Verizon trying to narrow the gap. And then on a long-term basis, going back even further, um, well, this looks like the, the same chart again, but the premise is the same, right? You, uh, you want to play for a catch-up. So let me show you a few absolute charts, and then we'll go from there. So here is the chart itself. It has all the look of a bearish to bullish reversal. But what appeals to me is this check back to trend and then the bounce. Now keep that in your mind and let's look at this with relative performance. And this is the best part. So even as Verizon was selling off into the end of the year with the rest of the equity complex, its performance, of course, was straight up. And that's what Alpha is all about. And then a few other charts and I'm done. Take a look at this setup over the past five years. You can draw the lines many different ways, but I think one way to draw them would be this. Very successful wedge. And what's critical here is if you do break out to 52-week high and then you were to fall back to the level from which you broke out, you often get that pivot and you go again. And then one more, the long-term chart going back to 1990. You can call it whatever you want. One popular in the technical parts is cup and handle, but this has a nice setup. I think it's a great place to be on the long side, Verizon.
All right. So, Mike, what's the trade? Yeah. So, you know, we have seen obviously tremendous volatility in the markets, and that's elevated options premiums pretty considerably in most names, in most indices, and most ETFs. But actually, in Verizon's case, it's a relatively low volatility stock. And although options premiums are slightly higher than they were, they still remain relatively low. And on top of all of that, we've seen a fairly sharp move in this thing. I think peak to trough, it gave back about eight bucks. So when I was looking at this, to me, I think we just keep this fairly simple. I was looking out to April. The 55 calls were trading about three bucks when I was looking at that. Now, notice that the strikes are about $5 apart, so the stock was actually trading $56. They were already slightly in the money when I was looking at this. The idea here is that you're giving yourself a little bit of leverage on an upside bet in the name. One of the other things I would point out about buying calls in high dividend stocks like Verizon, that does depress the value of calls relative to puts. It's one of the reasons they are as cheap as they are. That's because holders of calls don't get dividends. Holders of stock do get dividends. But this stock is not going to go ex-dividend until the 9th of April. So you basically have from now until the day prior to the ex-date to use this to make a bullish bet. And it won't take much, obviously. You're only risking the extrinsic premium amount, really, and that's $2. I like the trade. I like the fact that he's actually going um, in the money here. So the stock is trading at 56 and change or so. He's looking at the April 55 call here. So he's really not worried about shifts and implied volatility, the price of options be because of that. And I think you put it all together, the defensive posturing in the market. You look at that technical setup. You know, you think about a stock like Verizon that massively outperformed AT&T last year. Um, and they didn't make all these big strategic moves. So this one seems poised to at least outperform and possibly the uh, with your technical setup breakout. So I like Plus the way you're playing. You might have a, a heads you in, tails you in. Yeah. If the market were to go higher, I think Verizon presumptively participates. It's bounced recently. But it also has all the defensive elements of a utility, essentially. And uh, the stock is on almost all major drawdowns an outperformer. The defensive characteristics, of th I think, of this are particularly important. If the only thing you did was look at the market levels from one week to the next, you might think nothing happened this week. Or maybe you happened to see how much we had a drawdown earlier this week and thought somehow what we saw today signaled the all clear. To me, it certainly does not. The more volatile assets become, the lower the rate you're willing to pay for them. And so even though we had a really good and positive move today, I don't know that all of the turmoil is over. And so I think defensive posturing here makes a lot of sense. All right. From one Dow stock to another, Intel soaring 6% for its best day in a year. This after Bank of America upgraded the stock to a buy, raised the price target to 60 bucks. That's nearly 30% higher than where the stock is trading. Now, Intel has held up well amid the recent volatility, down, down just uh, over 2% over the past three months, while the overall market is down more than 12%. Dan says today's rally could be the start of a bigger breakout. So why don't you uh, lay yeah, this out for really us? interesting call out of Merrill Lynch today. Yeah. So they upgrade Intel to a buy, and they actually downgraded some industrial semis like ADI and Texas Instruments. And I always find those um, those sorts of maneuvering by analysts really interesting. And again, you know, none of us on this desk go and buy or sell stocks based on what a sell side analyst is doing. But sometimes it's a really good input here. So to me, when I think about this, I've tried to take a couple shots on Intel on the long side over the last year and a half or so, and to me, it, you know, it's kind of been stuck. They've had a few macro issues. They've had a few very company-specific issues, meaning losing their CEO, having a delay on a really important trip, so uh, chip, so some market share losses. It sounds like we might get some resolution to all those things. The stock is really cheap, trading about 10 times. Not expected a lot of EPS growth. Good balance sheet here, but if some things come together this year, and I don't mean early this year, based on what we heard from Apple, I wouldn't be too optimistic about too many semiconductor chips, but the main point about this story is they're 
you're not as exposed to the consumer smartphone market as some others that you might concern yourself with. And then really the focus, I think, of this Intel uh, upgrade is that they are very exposed to data center, which is exposed to cloud and AI and that sort of thing. So to me, I think it's really hard to go out and buy calls or buy stocks on upgrades like this, especially in a market that's moving around like this with the headwinds that we're seeing. But if you have optimism about this call, you have optimism that things are going to slow down a little bit, at least on the downward volatility, you may want to look out about six months and look to kind of position yourself for that move, maybe back towards the high 50s where it was about six or seven months ago. So today, when the stock was trading about 47.50, you can look out to July expiration. The July 50-60 call spread could be bought for $2.40, buying one of the July 50 calls for uh, 3 bucks, selling one of the July 60 calls uh, at $0.60. Cents. It costs you two forty. You make up to seven sixty between $52.40 and $60. And really what I'm doing here is I'm risking about 2 bucks, which I believe, and I'll let Carter speak to the chart. I have one chart, a five-year chart. I think there's really good technical support in the mid-40s, but I do not want to be long this stock below that. Look at where that breakout level is from 2017. There's a gap down to 40 bucks here. So I'm basically making a bet. I'm willing to risk a few percent, 4% or so of the stock price for that move back up to the prior highs, but I am capping my risk at what I think is to the point where there is support. Right. I mean, that breakout level has a lot of authority, and sometimes they're like magnets. You get drawn back to that level. On a day-to-day basis or week over week, month over month, the key, I would say, for this particular semi versus the SOX is that the SOX, as is the case with the market, makes the low in October, then makes the new low in December, and Intel never made the new low. And that's uh, a very defensive and inherently positive day-to-day data point. Yeah, I, I also think this is an interesting structure. You know, we were just talking about how the price of options in Verizon had not elevated that much off their lows. That's not true in Verizon, which is probably one of the reasons you're looking at a call spread here. You know, looking at over the last 12 to 18 months, the implied volatility, the price of options on Intel is about double what the low was. So significantly more expensive. It's about you know, 50% more expensive than the Verizon options and double what the low and Intel options were. You know, looking at one of these spreads, you're getting quite a good distance here. One of the other things I would say is that the 60 cents you're collecting, okay, so we're looking at about one-fifth of the premium that you spent for the option that you're buying. That's probably the cheapest option I would typically sell in a call spread. And, you know, one thing to remember for everybody who's looking at this, you know, if that cheap option gets you know, significantly cheaper. It's really not going to be such a huge deal, but you can always look to cover that if it gets, uh, you know, down to 20 cents or so. Yeah, and just the last point is here. If you're trying to be constructive amid a lot of uncertainty, the idea of defining your risk and putting some of these bets out there a few months makes some sense. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. Carter here loves it so much that he reads it to his children every night before bed, and they fall asleep promptly. Here's what's coming up next. Apple, 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 Apple. Apple sinking deeper into a bear market this week. But if you lost money on the stock, Mike Coe has a way to make some of it back. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC. 
Welcome back to Options Action. Apple taking investors on a ride this week after CEO Tim Cook shocked Wall Street with a dire warning about its earnings later this month. The stock was up more than 4% today, but it is still down nearly 40% from its high. If you've lost money, though, on the trade, don't fret. Mike Coe has got a way for you to make some of that money back. He's over at the Plasma with a call to action, Mike. Yeah, so we're going to talk about a one-by-two call spread, which you can use against a long position if you happen to hold Apple. Many people do. It's one of the most broadly held stocks. This strategy is sometimes called a stock recovery strategy. It is a way for you to basically boost the profits that you make if the stock recovers somewhat. It doesn't need to get necessarily back to prior levels for you to recover more than you lost on the way down. How does this work? Well, first of all, it is going to be against a long stock position. One of the things it will do is between a range of strikes, it's going to double your profits. And finally, and this is an important one, when people see stocks like Apple pull back, they might naturally be asking themselves, should I be committing additional capital? And I think that's a very dangerous thing to do, and it's not one I'm encouraging. We can take a look here and we can see, obviously, how poorly Apple has done since it reached its peak over here. More recently, we just take a look at the last month, and this is mostly the result of that essentially pre-announcement news, which was quite a disappointment. I mean, I think an $8 billion shortfall. We can see this very sharp decline. And this is essentially what we're going to try to recover. Let's take a quick, quick uh, peek here at where we are right now also. We're just under 150. You can see that about a month ago we were up around 180. And I think it's kind of important to think about where the stock might actually recover to. So let's take a look at the structure here. What you're going to be doing is buying one March 150 call, spending $7.50 against that, and then in turn selling two of the 160 calls for about $3.75 each. So net-net, because you're collecting $3.75 twice, you're not spending any additional capital on this trade. But the idea here is that obviously if the stock goes up to 160 from approximately 147.5, you're going to make 12.5 bucks there. This call spread at expiration is going to be worth 10 bucks. So rather than making 12.5, you're going to have made $22.5. Now, what's the downside? Because you're short two of these calls, you're going to have your stock called away from you. But the thing to think about is that you're actually no worse off unless the stock goes above 170. And if we think about the news that we've just gotten, I think a near-term move above 170 at this point is pretty unlikely. The other reason that we look at strategies like this is that when you see these sharp declines, when you have markets as volatile as the one we've been in, Options premiums get elevated. That's when we often try to look to spreads where you have an opportunity to sell one or two options against the one that you bought. Dan, what do you think of this? So I really like the strategy, and I like it specifically in a name like Apple. We know that a lot of the holders out here, especially people who are watching this program, are like the never sell Apple. It's a really special stock. So the idea of trying to get some of that money back near term. The only gripe I have about this is that I think Mike strikes and the duration of the spread, two months now or a little more, is a little tight because we all know how this stuff works. Right when you think that it's never going to be back above 170, two months out it could be. And I guess a great example of that would be Facebook last year. It imploded early in the year, and I would have told you, I would have bet my left pinky that that stock was never going to make a new high, or at least not this year. And it did. Yeah, now, obviously, it triggered again. So, so to me, what I would maybe do is, I was looking at March, I would maybe look to do a wider spread, maybe a 20-point range, and give myself some more room to the upside. You know, th there are a couple of things that you could do. I think the important and educational portion of this is to understand the structure. There are two things you could do. You could widen the strikes out. You may actually have to spend a little bit of premium. You could choose two higher strikes if you're going to go that far out in time and not have lay out any additional capital. Or you could shorten the duration of the trade. Look to February. There are 150 and 160 calls listed in February as well. But I think a question that everybody who holds the stock right now might be asking themselves is, well, look, if 
I had the opportunity to sell the stock right now at 170, would I do it? I'm betting that there are a lot of people out there that would. Carter, what do you think? It seems like Apple sort of behaved sort of well after that tremendous drop. Right, had the big heavy volume drop at Gap, news-related, of course, and then the sort of one, two-day recovery. I would just try to figure out, and an oversold thing is if it's cheap, oversold, those are dangerous things because things get cheaper, they get more oversold. But I would just offer you this uh, statistic. If you were to look at Apple in relation to where it is versus its 150-day moving average, you could use the 200, whatever you like, it is trading farther below and at any time, except for two other instances, one after the dot-com boom and bust, i.e. Apple in 2001, and then after the financial crisis in 2008. So this is, as oversold, so to speak, two other instances which are epic. One was a, literally a financial crisis, the other was the a, a dot-com, the biggest speculative event of the past 50 years. So in a way, if you believe in oversold and you want to find something that's so bad it's good, this is not a bad idea. So bad it's good. I think so. Point. Wow. I guess that's an endorsement, Mike, on, on the trade that you're putting on. Well, you know, I mean, I think another question we might ask ourselves, though, we had severe market pullbacks in some of those other instances that Carter was just talking about. This is actually an idiosyncratic story in addition to the market volatility that we've seen. We got a very disappointing bit of news from Tim Cook. That isn't necessarily what we had in those past instances. And that is one of the reasons why, even if I did think it was going to rebound, and that's essentially what we're playing for here, I'm not going to commit additional capital to trade by either buying more stock or buying calls right. outright. That's a good point. Coming up, gold posting its third straight week of gains as volatility rocks the markets. But can the yellow metal keep its shine? We will explain. Plus, got a question out there? Well, you are in luck because we are taking your tweets later in the show. Hit us up at Options Action. We'll do our best to answer them. We're live at the NASDAQ and Times Square. More Options Action right after this. Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC. Welcome back to Options Action. Last month, Mike and Carter bet that gold was getting ready to shine, and shine it did. Here's how the trade worked out. On Options Action, it's how we shine bright, risk less so we can make more, and that's exactly what Cohen Carter did with their bullish bet on gold. Carter thought the yellow metal was about to break out. We're right into the apex of this standoff. I suppose you could bet that it's going to break the downside, not the bet that I would make. I would say gold likely resolves this standoff up and out. Hmm, Mike thought. Hey, Melissa, mind if I take this one over? Take it away, take it away Mike. Carter's charts are as good as gold. And with all the volatility, it's not a bad place to hide out. But 100 shares of the GLD would put me back nearly 12 grand. So instead, I bought the February 119 strike call for $2.15. Now to make money, I need the GLD to rise above that strike price by more than the cost of the trade, or in this case, above 121.15 by February expiration. But spending 215 just to bet on gold? I don't love it that much. So to cut costs, I sold the February 129 strike call for 30 cents and created my call spread. Here's how it works. Between the 215 I spent on the lower strike call and the 30 cents I collected by selling that higher strike call, I cut the total cost of my trade down to just $1.85. And now I just need the GLD to rise above that 119 strike by the reduced cost of the trade, or above 120.85 by February expiration. But remember, there is a trade-off. And since I sold that call, my profits are capped at 129. How do we do on this one, Melissa? 
Good stuff, Mike, because since the time of the trade, gold has rallied 3%. And now Options Action gold bugs all over the world just want to know one thing. What will Cohen Carter do now? That was a great call, and uh, I didn't know that Mike was a Beyonce fan either, so you learn new things every day. How are you trading gold at this point? Well, I'm going to have to defer to you because uh, we'll talk about the option structure in a second. Sure. I mean, look, it's, uh, if, if one thinks that somehow this little blip up in gold is, is over, I would bet against that. This is something that's lagged for a long time. If you look at the S&P gold ratio, there's implications for higher prices for gold. And... Um, Ultimately, yes, we're up 10% off the lows of six months ago, but gold has a lot of beta when it wants to, and this could do anything the imagination will allow, and I think you want to be long. You know, we're in the money on that lower strike call, and there's very little extrinsic premium now, so essentially we're not going to have much decay, and my view on this is that if you want to maintain a bullish position and you have this on, you stay put. But you have to believe that the markets are going to remain volatile and or go lower. I mean, it's so funny because sometimes gold is related to the dollar inverse court. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it has to do with fear. Sometimes it's not. Meaning it can take on a life of its own at certain moments, as we know anything can. And um, I suspect that this is more close to the beginning than the end of what's just happened, the move. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Mark this on your calendars. Monday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Squawk on the Street. Do not miss Jim Cramer's exclusive interview with the CEOs of Bristol-Myers Squibb and Celgene. It is their first interview since the $74 billion deal was announced this week. That is Monday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Time for the final call. Carter. Gold, Verizon, defensive things. Mike. Verizon stock and options are cheap. I like the April 55 calls. Dan. Yeah, so the Intel obviously near term could be a little rocky, but looking out long term, July call spreads. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. You can catch us back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.